That's right. You're listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners Podcast. The alternative underground dive bar fan podcast of the Seattle Mariners. Brought to you by OB City Entertainment. And now, the host of the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners Podcast, Myron Sutner. What up? This is Myron, and this is episode 16 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. The alternative underground back alley, secret society in the shadows, underbelly, speakeasy, dive bar style podcast. And today's episode, we were back in a bar, the Sloop Tavern in Ballard, one of the relics. It's been around for 69 years. Uh, I was with Hanno and Edmonds, the Ninja, and Doc Sniff making his first appearance here on the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. On today's episode, I'll just briefly give you the breakdown, the cliff notes. We start off by breaking down the series between the Boston Red Sox and Mariners that concluded at the time of this recording. If you're already up to date on all that and you're just like, I don't want to hear about any more of that, just skip ahead, I don't know, about 20 minutes. Uh, After that, we're going to talk about this controversy that we found on uh, Reddit and Twitter, specifically Red Sox Nation uh, Twitter. And it's about their frustrations with our beloved mascot, the Mariner Moose. After that, we get into uh, a discussion with uh, the ninja who brings us another, you know, kind of like, I guess it's a conspiracy or or fans uh, and baseball peers and people are worried about. And that's the uh, uh, artificial intelligence being used to uh, steal signs and combat signs and scout and all this kind of stuff. Kind of dive into that. And then we take it back to... Uh, you know, for a little bit of Mariner's history, we kind of uh, went back in time and we talked about one of the coolest bars. At least I thought it was cool when I was, you know, just turning 21 or maybe I was underage at the time. But there was this awesome bar when Safeco Field opened up. It was over on King Street. It was called Tiki Bob's. We kind of just kind of go down memory lane about that. If you remember Tiki Bob's, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of crazy times down there. Uh, anytime I think of Tiki Bob's, I always think of those old Mariners teams in the early 2000s. They kind of just went hand in hand. That was the place to be before and after, before there was all this cool stuff down there in the Soto area. Anyways, thanks again for liking, subscribing, and commenting uh, on our podcast. Uh, that really, really helps out. So if you have not done that, go ahead and do that. If you have been doing that, again, thank you. Anyways, I'm going to shut the hell up. And get out of the way. This is episode 16 of the Rye Bread and Mustard podcast. Live. We're live. We are live. Where the hell are we live at? The Sloop Tavern in Ballard, which is a neighborhood in Seattle. This is my neighborhood I grew up in, in Seattle. Uh, you and I both went to high school here at Ballard High School, right, Hanno? Yeah, it's good to be back in Ballard, you know. Uh, you can take a guy out of Ballard, but you can't take the Ballard out of a guy, so I'm glad to be back here. Is that a bumper sticker yet that they sell on Market Street? Yeah, it might be. <laughs> it might be. It's and, definitely a t-shirt. And We're then, literally five blocks away from Myron's house where he grew up. I think the Sloop was the first spot that I got in my first scrum in. Not really a bar fight, but... The angry everyone's yelling at each other 
This is where the ninja, this is where it all started? Well, not all started, but, you know, first time nearly a bar fight. I won't go that far. Did okay. it happen over a game of pool here? Or? Who knows? It's just a bunch of rowdy fishermen. This is the, the spot drinking. It's um, beer only bar, no alcohol. But they do have uh, uh, seltzers now, and that's why I haven't been here. I, I grew up uh, around here. Of course, I live in California, but this wasn't one of my usual hangout spots, you know, uh, because I just I wasn't a beer drinker, you know. Uh, but it is pretty cool. Uh, this establishment, I guess, has been, which I'm, which I'm figuring out, which I believe has been around for 69 years. Yeah, they're actually having a big 69th anniversary party uh, coming up this month, uh, June 25th, starting at 12 p.m. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know. So, all you sloop friends that are out there, uh, come make an appearance. It's going to be a big reunion. So yeah, it's the Sloop Tavern. They're celebrating their 69 years, like you said, June 25th. Uh, you know, if you go on their Instagram, it says, "Come on, come all, and celebrate 69, <laughs> 69 years of beers at the Sloop." You know, so drink specials, food specials, limited edition merchandise, raffle prizes. It's on. You know what I mean? It's again. Saturday, June 25th, all day. People so are you, about it. people are excited about it. You hear them in the background. They're shouting. Uh, and it also says, wear your Slooper supporter gear and get even more discounts. So if you have, like, Sloop swag, you know, uh, accessorize. Yeah, I'm looking at the Sloop shirts right now. They got a cool baseball shirt. They got the stocking cap, which is great because this is a fishing community uh, so that's probably the most authentic thing there. We got some zip-ups. We're liking it. Of course, they got the Rainier, cold Rainier beer here. I mean, this is a cool place. It is a uh, very throwback to, you know, traditional Ballard. Oh, are you, yeah. you going to be down here, Hanno, probably? Yeah, I'm going to make it down here. You know, it's a popular bar, you know, for all the sailors, um, meaning the uh, sailboaters. They race out here in Puget Sound during the week and, uh, they come down here after racing and have a couple of pops and have a good old time. It's a big, diverse type of community that comes and uh, has a good time here, drinks a couple beers. They got good food. So, yeah, come on out. Yeah, and we'll probably have some uh, rye bread and mustard swag going on. We'll be playing uh, Anaheim that we'll be playing Anaheim that weekend. So I'll, I'll be down at the Big A, but you'll be here with some swag to give out and some oh, information, all kinds idea. of fun stuff, right? Good idea. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's right here. That's 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 called improvisation right there. That was an expensive improv, but we're still <laughs> going to have some people down here. Also got some other shout-outs to uh, Targi's Tavern on Queen Anne Hill, future uh, uh, host of the Rye Bread Mustard uh, podcast. Shout-out to Targi's on Queen Anne Hill. Also, Ozzy's on, on Mercer down in Lower Queen Anne. Ozzy's is an awesome place. The... Uh, five-star uh, dive bar location. And, of course, the boxcar in Magnolia, our first, uh, you know, dive bar that we checked off of our list. And a shout-out to not a dive bar, but a very cool bar up in Edmonds that hosted us for the first two weeks I was down here. Vault 177. Anyways, we're going to jump right into this right away. We're going to get right into to the uh, three-game series that just wrapped up with 
the Boston Red Sox right after this. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ball game. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. Very different games. Let's, uh, you know, let's start with game one. What, what struck you as crazy on Friday night the second you walked into T-Mobile Park? Uh, there was a, a good crowd there, you know. Decent. Mariner fans and a lot of Boston fans, but it wasn't as packed as I thought it would be. It was a crummy night out. The roof was on, rainy, kind of cold, but it was a it was a good. It was what about thirty thousand there? Yeah, it was good. It was decent. I mean, I get it. They're not giving anything away. There's no puffy jackets being given away on that night. But it was, you know. Not what I expected after the excitement of the Mariners road trip, but I also got to remember not everybody's nuts like us, you know. End up that. And I think uh, game one against the Red Sox, even though it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to turn out, it was still a good game. Yeah, I mean, it came down to the last at bat. You know, we left. It was a tough game. We left like 12 runners on base. We still were not getting the clutch hit when we needed with men in scoring position. But uh, it came down to the last at bat with runners in scoring position on second and third with two outs. And Frazier lined out to Trevor Story oh. to end the game, which was oh. brutal. I mean, it was a good hit. You know, it looked like it was going to get through, but it was right at him. And it deflated the crowd. It, that line drive looked clean and good. And then all of a sudden, just Trevor Story just got up there. The, you know, crowd of 20,000. Mariner fans, and I say there was probably 10,000 Red Sox fans, just all gave out just a gasp at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's tough being there in an intense game, close game, with those Red Sox fans, you know, chirping and having a good time, just like we would. And then, uh, you know, for it to come that close and then have to hear them celebrate was rough. It was rough. It was... It was it was not a fun walk-up accidental after that. Uh, yeah, but game two last night kind of started off where that left off. There was a good crowd. The roof was open. The weather had changed. People were down there. It was cool. I'm not going to lie. The second we walked down to our seats, uh, there was a two-run home run in the first inning by Boston, and every piece of Boston scourge was up screaming and yelling. I was ready to go home. But, you know, we locked in. It was an up-and-down game. Julio got a home run, got the crowd going. Teams went back and forth. The crowd was fucking into it. It was fun. It got pretty dicey, though, with that home run in the ninth inning. You know, if you're a Mariners fan, you know which home run I'm talking about. It's the home run where apparently everybody expected Winker to have caught that ball or robbed that home run in that game. Uh, I will say the people in our section, we could not see what happened. So there was some harsh judgment on everybody jumped to conclusions. Everybody had 20 different versions of what happened. Yeah, it was Dahlbeck, the same gentleman from, or same gentleman, same guy from game one, the Seattle uh, born and raised kid. 
hit that home run right to uh, left field. It was about two feet over the wall. Winker went up, made a catch. It looked like he was in his glove, and he made the catch, and it popped right out. And he was devastated. I mean, it was it was a tough, deflating moment for the Mariners and the crowd. I mean, I was at home, and I just could not believe that he did not make the catch. Yeah, the, our, our entire section was pretty hard. The Boston fans were giving him shit. The Mariners fans were not happy. But instead of just ignoring everybody, I do have to give him credit. He looked over and he acknowledged, like, hey, I should have made that play. There's obviously that the meme picture of him sitting down up against the thing. He did. I do feel like he needs to shake it off a little bit more, like, visibly. When it, they made the third out and it was, you know, time for the team to run into the dugout and get ready for the ninth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll move our equipment. Hold on. You got to play pinball. Hold on. Hey, everybody. Gather round. Disco Danny's back in town. Loosen up. Loosen up. Shake it off. Settle down. Loosen up. Danny. Shake it off. Settle down. Loosen up. Danny. Loosen up. Loosen up. Shaking it. Breaking it. Get a hit. Danny. We're sitting here at the Sloop Tavern, great establishment. But just like any dive bar, you're just going to get some fucking weird people in here. It's a huge bar. We're sitting here recording. We got wires everywhere. We got lights. We're in the middle of a conversation. You know. Do we need security for next uh, I think so. And our equipment was on a, a, a pinball a pinball game. Which, which game is this pinball game? Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters pinball game. And my empty bag was on top, and the guy came over and asked us to move it because he needed to play that game. Then he saw it wasn't just like a game that cost a quarter. He didn't like the price, so he walked away. But anyways, we're back. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> the, the, the uh, Winker... Yeah, fuck him. So the Winker, you know, non-catch, when they were going back into the dugout, he took exceptionally long to go in. I kept my eyes on him, see what happened, because I'm a hard-hitting podcast journalist. He went down into the uh, clubhouse, and we didn't see him return until, you know, obviously the good news, which the Mariners small-balled, manufactured two runs, you know, thanks to Abraham Toro and... Demo and Demo and and, and JP Pop and everybody that scored Haggerty, all the pinch runners. It was it was exciting. I will say this: the most exciting part of the weekend was when Toro had his broken bat uh, single to win the game uh, to tie up the game. That ball went up in the air and it hung up in the air. I mean, it felt like I was watching a Disney movie, like a basketball movie, where somebody just throws the half court. Like, what's that? Uh, or a Hail like, Mary? yeah, it was like a it was like a Hail Mary, or in a basketball game, it was like when Teen Wolf shoots that shoots that ball, right? Is that the movie Teen Wolf? And it just hangs up there, and it just got quiet, and then when it just found a patch of grass, the place exploded. I hate 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 to use the term electric factory. But I guess that's what Winker was talking about. After that, I saw him hanging up on the rail. And then, yeah, on the demo single, like Hanno said, he was the first person out of the dugout. Yeah, I mean, it was really good to see. You know, Winker was crushed, like Myron said. 
after coming to his knees after missing that catch going back into the clubhouse and then having the Mariners pick him up you know Toro with another big hit his second one of the game he had one earlier that went off the wall that just missed a home run and then in the ninth like I said it picked up the Mariners and picked up Winker with Toro getting on base and then Demo hitting a nice line drive in the gap that almost could have been caught by Jackie Bradley Jr. But it was a big moment. Demo and the Mariners picked up Winker. He was the first one out of the dugout to cheer on and support um, Demo after the uh, walk-off win. So it, it was cool to see the Mariners do that for him. And, you know, that was a huge victory. I mean, that we could have lost both the first game and the second game going into the series. So it was huge, and it was nice to see. And, you know, today's game started out kind of quiet and kind of the same way that the first two games started yeah it it the crowd never got into that game today kind of went by quick nothing happened we got one hit and to you know uh quote uh one of my favorite movies one of my favorite characters bob euchre from major league we got one hit one hit one goddamn hit Oh, yeah, the one hit we got today was Terence. Yeah, your backup catcher who hasn't played in a while. I mean, they threw an opener in the game. Um, he went five innings, had seven Ks. Uh, it was his career start for that guy. Um, his first name was Cutter. He threw a lot of cutters, and it was really fooling the Mariners. I mean, Julio Rodriguez was fooled. Winker was fooled again. And uh, we just couldn't get anything started. It wasn't like the previous games where we were getting on base and leaving them all, um, leaving them there. We didn't get anybody on base. I mean, the kids did see a good pitching matchup finally from Robbie Ray today. He was outstanding. He went his uh, seven innings. That's the second time he's done that as a Mariner pitcher. He did that his opening game with the Mariners this year. He hasn't pitched too well lately, but he kept Boston off balance. Had some strikeouts, gave up no runs, didn't have that big inning like he's had. So it was good to see Robbie Ray do his thing, but it was unfortunate that the Mariner bats were dead silent. Dead silent. We, you know, there wasn't even like a, there wasn't too many of those balls that were hit that we got robbed. There was that great play off of Ty France. There was a couple of Adams, but for the most part, a lot of pop-ups, a lot of weekly hit balls. It was very fast. You could go to the bathroom and come back, and the inning was over. It just it moved along very quickly versus the night before. It was night and day. In fact, when I was at the game and you were talking to people, it was all about, hey, you should have been here last night. It was like this. It was like it was like this happened. You know what I mean? You were explaining. You are like, you should have been here. You should have been here last night. It was that whole story. That was a feeling in there of, like, were you here last night? No. Okay. There may be no greater thrill in sports than the crack of a bat and the roar of a crowd as a small cowhide-covered ball hurtles a distant fence. It's baseball. Seattle Mariners baseball in the kingdom. And there is no greater enjoyment than being there. The game starts at 7.35 and not a moment before because, as the Mariners have always said, there will be no game before it's time. Yeah, like you were saying, there wasn't too many big hits or hard hits, but the hard hits that the Mariners did have, one was a broken bat bleeder by Winker that Devers made a great play, and then the next inning, 
There was a rope in the right field that the right fielder made a diving catch behind him that was just outstanding. So couldn't get anything started. That was about the only two hits that looked for, like for sure hits for the Mariners. Other than that, it was just a so-so game. Yeah, so overall this series, I would say Friday was fun. Didn't end how we want it. Saturday was amazing. Maybe one of the best games I've seen all year. We said that last week in Houston, but we weren't there. I mean, but T-Mobile was going off. The guy sitting in our row who bought the tickets next to us, he was dressed up as a uh, 1999 uh, Safeco Field employee. He had the coat and the shorts and the hat. He said he found it all at the uh, second-hand store. So if you're in the Seattle area, I'd be looking for one of those jackets. Somebody can find a larger and extra large, I will buy that off you. Uh, it was fun. The Ninja, when uh, when the Winker non-catch home run happened, you were ready to go. You were ready to go. Yeah, I was, I was hurt. That hurt. I was ready to go home, but no, I'm not going home. Not with, not with Julio coming up. Yeah, I mean, because we thought that was a pivotal play in the game, and luckily the Mariners came back and picked them up and won that game in the next inning. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. You were like, let's go. We're out of here. And I told you Julio's leading off the next inning. That was like the sobering thing that he needed just to get him out of the crazy zone. Yeah, was it Julio's, you know, did he have a part of this? No, but it, it, it gave us hope, right? It, it, it kept us in there. It was fun. The place was rocking. You'd have thought we won a big game in September. By the way, people are just hard high fives. I mean, just some hard high fives going, but yeah, screaming at the Boston fans. Was hoping for more of that today. It didn't happen. It never got got off the ground. I don't feel like today there was as many Boston fans. But overall, fun series. Uh, looking forward to uh, you know playing the Twins. I like I said, I have not been looking at the standings. That was part of my thing. But I, you know, I got a spoiler the other day, so I took a look, and I was like, oh, Minnesota's coming in here. Anaheim's been on us. A streak now that we got through Boston it's gonna get easier no Minnesota is in first place in the central so this series coming up is gonna look good what do you think about this Minnesota series yeah I mean Minnesota we faced them to lead off the season and uh, we split with them and this will be another hard test for the Mariners um, they they have just not proven yet this year that they have been able to add on when the bases are loaded or they got guys in scoring position they'll kind of just chip away and get a couple runs but they're never getting that big inning like we need and that's been the most frustrating part about the Mariners this year in my opinion they're hitting not when they need to in clutch situations with men on base and that they, they just needs to improve I feel like they're the the worst team in baseball with the bases loaded they gotta be I've seen terrible Mariner teams Way worse teams, would not trade this team for some of the other teams I'm talking about. Way better at hitting with the bases loaded. It's almost like this huge stopgap. Like that's the best defense against the Mariners offense is getting the bases loaded. Yeah, that's how it feels. I know statistically it's wrong, but that's how it feels. No, you're exactly right. We just haven't gotten that breakout inning or that blowout type of game other than that 10-0 game in Baltimore where we felt comfortable. Every game has been tight for us lately, you know. One-run games here. Last year we had a great record in one-run games. This year we're not as successful in those one-run games, but I'd like to see us get off to a good start. 
get kind of an easy win for us for once. Yeah, I just I would I would just like to see something slashed into the gap. I don't even want the big grand slam. I know people are like, oh, we haven't hit a granny this year. I'll tell you what I'd like to see. I'd like to see Hanniger and Kyle Lewis back. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of them, I saw where Kyle Lewis, he's still having some symptoms from his concussion. Um, Just started riding a bike, not doing any baseball activity, because like I said, he still has um, symptoms. And Scott Service mentioned that he's been out for so long now that once he does fill up to par, they're going to have to send him back on a rehab assignment before he comes back. Man, that's, ugh. you know, but I, you know, I want him back a lot, you know, so just wanted to get back. What do you know what's going on with Upton? I mean, it'll probably change by the time somebody listens to this, but what the hell is going on with Upton? I couldn't tell you anything specifically. I've been following him, playing for the Rainiers. He plays almost every day. There's been a few days he hasn't played, but he's hit a couple home runs. Uh, I've seen one for five, two for four. I don't know his exact stats, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't it be nice to have him possibly as a right-handed bat coming out of the as a pinch hitter or even starting, you know? Uh, starting, yeah. I would give Winker a day off here or there on the lefties. I know somebody, was it you or you who brought up a stat? Well, he's hitting lefties just as good as righties. Well, he's not hitting anybody good at all. So you're, Yeah, you're so right. So, but also when things aren't working for you and he's, you know, you know, considered a very good hitter an above average hitter you know i'm sure some time off some just sitting there and watching and just taking it taking a breather and not knowing that you got to keep going out there when things aren't working is you know is an option for you i mean and also he's he's earned uh to not have to play every day unfortunately and same thing we can't just keep having toro out there every day you can't have Toro and Winker in the lineup every day right now. The way thing, the way they're doing things, something's got to change, you know, on the inside, on them, and somebody, you know, needs to step in while this is being fixed. And I just, I would love to see Justin Upton up here. I'm a, you know, a big, not a big fan of him. I was a, I was always upset when he couldn't come to the Mariners, as we've talked about on other podcasts, beca- out of you know because he didn't want to come to the Mariners. But you know, once he signed this thing and you start looking at him and thinking about him, you're like, man, I'd love that guy on my side. I would love to get him up here. Well, yeah, I mean, like you said today, you know, today we came out had no hits, looked flat. We had two games go almost four hours with a lot of emotion against Boston the first two games. Today we had nothing. You know, it would be nice to have a guy like him being able to step in for one of those guys, like you said, coming off a late game for a day game today and have Upton, a proven guy, possibly step in and give a guy a break, you know? Yeah, definitely. But, yes, let's just hope here in this twin series, you know, we did well against them in uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, they're the first-place team there, but I think the Mariners are trending up. They actually played a good series when they were in Minnesota. They match up pretty good. I'm expecting a series win. I know this, you know, only getting one out of three kind of – only getting one out of three stops the uh, series winning streak. But, you know, this was a good team. We played – the Red Sox close. Yeah, very tight. We could have won all three. We could have lost all three. 
somebody was going to win two or three. It just wasn't us. And, you know, this might be a team we lock up in the postseason. This also, I, I had a weird thought today after watching yesterday's game where to me, I'm not watching on TV. I'm living off the emotions in the stadium. But it seemed like there was a lot of pitching changes yesterday, and there was a lot of left-handers coming in. It just seemed like lefty after lefty after lefty. And I know lefty is kind of a thin position coming out of the bullpen. Maybe Boston could be a uh, trade partner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that you could be, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is the time of year where we need to get closer to a wild card position and improve our record, obviously, so we can then hopefully make a move to uh, add to this team. Yeah, and I feel like right now maybe not, uh, you know, but possibly down the road, but Boston's the team we're chasing for that last wild card. The teams in between us and Boston, I do not think are on the Mariners level. I think they're better. But the other, you know, couple of teams in that wild card, those are very good teams, and I think the Mariners have a lot of work to do. they got to stay healthy to, to catch up to Boston. That's why losing this series does hurt a little bit. It pushes them back a little bit. There's still, you know, 100-plus games to go, and Boston, you know, also plays some really, really tough teams a lot of a lot of the time. Yeah, and wrapping up, I mean, one positive I could say is our starting pitching has been pretty solid here lately, and if that keeps us going, we just need to get the bats going and get some timely hits, and we should hopefully get a chance to win more series and put a nice win streak together. That would be the goal. We'll see what happens. We'll be back with that. We'll check in. We'll check in with what happens here on the Minnesota series later in this week. And hold for this. For Michael J. Fox, life hasn't been easy. Hi. I'm going through changes. His voice is changing. Give me a keg of beer. Is there anything wrong with me? He's got hair on his chest. He stopped being a boy. What do you think about to get worked up? At last, he's become... Scott? Scott Howard? This is your father speaking. Now open this door right this minute. A wolf. An explanation is probably long overdue. Dad, an explanation? Look at me. Look at you. He's always wanted to be something special, but he never expected this. Teen Wolf. He's got style. There's something different about you. Did you change your hair? He's got class. Wolf person. He's got hair all over his body. Wolves aren't supposed to be shy. He's a wolf in teen's clothing. And tonight is his night to howl. Teen Wolf, a new comedy with Michael J. Fox, star of Back to the Future. The Ninja, you're a big Reddit guy, right? Yeah, for all the wrong reasons. Definitely. No. Okay. Well, yeah, so what I saw, it said the post uh, showed a pitcher of the Moose who was directly behind home plate in the late innings uh, while the Boston was uh, pit- while Boston was pitching. And, 
you know, the Boston fans, as I was reading along throughout the uh, series, they they feel about their bullpen how we feel about our untimely hitting. So they're really frustrated. So what I saw was a picture, snapshot picture of the pitcher and the batter with a moose in the background. Hold on, hold on. These buck hunter guys in the background. Jesus Christ, we're in Ballard. We're not in Cantor, Auburn. Let's what start the that fuck? Again, uh, the, what you're hearing in the background is, I don't know, a couple of white guys over here playing buck hunter on these guns. It's not good optics, but that's what's going on in the background here. We do need security. Did you hear, did you hear how crazy that was getting? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was in here, and this, and, and, and that'll be it. They have played, and they have lost. We'll see you later. Okay, here, let me start that one. Easy for you. Need help? Yeah, and I've got ten minutes to get to the radio station. Ah, here's the problem. Easy for you. Ever listen to KBLY? Should I? Easy to wear. Easy for and for that great smelling guy who started my car, I get off at six. Easy to wear, hard to resist. Stetson wins. Okay, look, one of our very first episodes, Hanno, I think it might have been episode zero when we were just trying this out. Our first deep dive was on how we got the Mariner Moose and a little bit on the San Diego Chicken. Yeah, uh, and, and some you, of the screw-ups that the Mariner Moose has had throughout his career. Yeah, his hijinks, like, you know, the thing in the playoffs where he rolled his ankle. Uh, uh, Doc Sniff, you got any... Doc Sniff's in the house. You got any Mariner Moose stories? That was a that was a non-verbal no. And then the other one was when the Moose was riding the quad during between innings, and we were playing Boston, and it was coming around the third base dugout. And while Boston was switching innings and going down the field, and the moose clipped Coco Crisp on his quad. Yeah, I remember that. It was a big deal. The managers were pissed off. Uh, the Red Sox organization was not too happy with our mascot, the Mariner Moose. Uh, to me, the moose has always been a little bit too tame, except for, I guess, when the Red Sox are in town, because apparently when you were on reddit or red sox twitter just trying to see what the pulse of what was what they were feeling after that big loss of game two which was an exciting game i guess the fan base is kind of you know not pointing at the umpires not pointing at the calls not pointing at the bullpen not you know holding it down it's there's a lot of focus on the mariner moose yeah i mean Red Sox Nation is pissed off about their bullpen, but they truly were pissed off at the Moose because in the ninth inning when we came back and won that game, the Moose was standing directly behind home plate um, and was waving his arms back and forth, and they thought it was a distraction for the pitcher. And a couple posts I saw was one person wrote uh, from Red Sox Nation, I can't stand this Moose. Anyone getting annoyed with him? Guy is getting paid to try to distract Robles, which is the pitcher for Boston. Where can we find this? Well, I mean, actually, I'm gonna screenshot this, put on the on, on our on our socials. But who who is this person? Does it? What is their handle? R slash Red Sox was the one who posted it on Reddit, and he's truly upset. Yeah, and then and then I saw more later on where it showed an actual video on Twitter and a fan, Jamie, 
on Twitter wrote, Fuck that moose. He's lucky I wasn't there, especially after pounding beers all night and drinking whiskey nips. I sneak in for in for when they stop serving. So she obviously had been drinking some let whiskey Let me see nips. that. Let me let me see this. Let me try it in a Boston accent if they don't understand. He goes, Fuck that moose. He's lucky I wasn't there, especially after the pounding of the beers all night and drinking the whiskey nips. I'll sneak in for there, and I'll fucking stop serving. Well, Hashtag I, Red Sox Nation, Jamie. Yeah, well, hopefully you can pull the sound because it is a video <laughs> clip, and she is full Boston going off. Well, where's the moose tonight? Oh. You know? Maybe their complaints worked because he wasn't there in the ninth inning when we were trying to make a comeback. I didn't see the moose. I saw him once out in the bullpen today giving high fives, and that was it. Yeah, moose got suspended for a game. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, you're going to give us a little audio. I'll try to splice it. was doing his thing. I love it. He was pissing people off. Yes, he was. I mean, you can see it. He's waving his arms back and forth, but she was pissed off. She wanted to rip his antlers out. Yeah. That's, that's pretty vicious. So that was a big topic on uh, Red Sox Twitter late night on uh, Sunday night. you got to remember, it's late back there. It's well, about 1.30 in the morning when our game finally ended, er, ended out here out west. Oh, yeah. They were all fucked up at that point. Now here's Lenny Randall. When the Mariners beat the Red Sox, hitting baseballs yeah. out of sight. Mm-hmm. Every kid who's 14 and under, uh, we want to come, come to Jack and Get a free jacket. Get a free jacket. Get a free jacket. Get a free jacket. Okay, Ninja, you were talking all kind of crazy. You've been talking some kind of crazy shit. But maybe one of the one of the more crazy things you've been telling me, there's something to do with artificial intelligence. And bef- before I do this segment here on the podcast, I just want to say, you know, I don't share any of the views or descriptions of this. This is just a... Uh, this is just a, what the fuck did you just say kind of moment here. So tell me about this. Well, here's where it all started. This is the guy that are cheating scandals. You know, you got your cheating scandals in baseball, and they're trying to figure them out. And, you know, you, you got, they're trying to steal signs. They got the, the new catcher calling system. What's that thing called? You know, the pitch com. They got the pitch com Is that calling. where they're, they're, they're hitting things on their knee pads and then the pitchers can hear and how does that work Hannah? yeah so the catcher has a a button on his knee pad that 
and then has an earpiece in to make sure he can hear what they're saying as well. And then the pitcher under his hat has like a little microphone that fits under there. And so the catcher will push, push a button. It'll give him location and type of pitch. And you sometimes see the pitcher still nodding or shaking his head, meaning he wants that. So that's how that works. They still have trouble with it, though. I notice it still takes a while. That's got to be interesting, too, because you can't just go back to the dugout and be like, all right, well, let's just tell the coach this or this or that. I'm sure there's some sort of, like, data where they're like, we this is... You know, well, the whole point happened. of it is so that people can't steal signs. Yeah, but I would imagine the coach from anywhere. is probably relaying a, a, a sign to the catcher, right? For what to call? No, this I'm gets into sure. the whole gray area. Like, can you have a coach up in the press box calling your pitches for you, looking at a computer screen? Is that legal? It's probably never even been addressed. Like, mm-hmm. they don't even the know to address that. Thomas, so the other team can't steal, steal your signs and aren't getting on to like when you're going to throw the fastball because that's everybody wants to know when you're going to throw the fastball. So you're saying there can't be a coordinator. I mean, this to me kind of sounds like what they do in football. They have the, the, you know, leader of the offensive coordinator up there. You have review plays going on. You have all this communication between video and should we, should we review this call? You know, and it has to go really fast too. And you got to make a decision, you know, so there's got to be, there's new communication issues in baseball that there are between are, catchers and pitchers and calling pitches and sign stealing. And they're wondering, how are these teams getting tipped off to when we're throwing fastballs now? We're not giving signs. We're not – there's no communication. How, how are these guys knowing when we're, you know, throwing a fastball? And it goes back to, you know, a pitcher tipping his pitches. It's old, you know, old as baseball is. If you – Notice something in a pitcher's delivery. His leg doesn't kick high enough. His his torso doesn't twist far enough. Or the way he grips the ball in the glove. Yeah. Um, or his, his, his arm angle. It's, there are a lot of them, how high his leg kick is, how much he turns when, if that if he really twists, he's coming with a fastball. Or maybe opposite. If he really twists, he's coming with a changeup because he wants to oversell it. So, clenches his butt real hard. He's coming with the heat. Mm-hmm. So the example was, I think two weeks ago, the the Yankees, they caught, I think it was uh, one of the, the Detroit Tigers, and if he paused and looked at third base long enough, it meant he, come, he was coming with a fastball. And so it got out that, you know, over one second looking at third, fastball's coming. And that was relayed to the whole team. The whole team knew about it. And by the fourth, you know, by the fourth inning, this poor pitcher had given up ten runs. And they're wondering, like, why? How did, you know, who noticed right. that guy tipping off his pitches? And it just seems like the Yankees are really good this year at getting to, like, what is this pitcher doing to tip off his pitches? And that's where this conspiracy comes in. Just and, and how do we dive deeper into this conspiracy? I see you're dancing around the, the tip of it. So The thing is, like, what would I do to try to get an advantage in these, in these times to – you know, see what the when's the fastball coming? Well, what would I do? Well, you know, they have this Harvard Medical that can identify what race you are by looking at your, you know, your skeleton, your your X-rays. Now they have all these AIs that can tell you what things are because they studied all this data and input and video of you know. So now you have all these videos. And what am I getting input. into here? Okay, keep going. The AI, if you plug in all the data and video, is going to relay what this pitcher does differently when he throws a fastball. It's going to tell you. 
oh, hey, he rotates a little bit more. His leg kicks a little bit higher. And it's gone through all the data, and it spits it out to you, and it relays that to your coach. Now your coach is relaying that to the hitters. Look for that. And so you have this AI working for your front office that's up there in the computers. It's in real time analyzing the difference between your, your off-speed pitches and your, and your fastball pitches. So at what point does that become a competitive advantage that your AI is better than another team's AI and your communication is better to the hitters so that you're able to pick up when the fastball is coming? Now, is this even on MLB's radar that that this is coming or this may be coming? Can, I'm have trying they even, to be on the forefront. Are there I'm any... trying to tell you, if I was going to cheat, this is how I'd do it. And if I don't have any money and I could figure out how to do it, imagine what these big market teams are like faced with moral issues. So this is an unauthored thought. This is just like, hey, let's let's. It's if we like, go here, it's going to go to here. So is isn't it almost in a way advanced it's, scouting? Mm-hmm. Advanced scouting, but with computer and you know AI that's helping you out and sure. you know, yeah, and is able to relay that. And who has the best AI system? And now who has the rights to that AI system? And can I buy it? And you know. And, yeah, will we even allow that? But if we're going off of just, hey, he does this, or he, like, blows out his nostril a little too much when he's throwing a changeup. You're going to get, like, an in-game alert saying. But it, but the other way around from the defense, and couldn't you start being like, hey, do some of these gestures to fuck with the other team. But like, let's just, just say no AI. You, you're not allowed to have computers assess the game. Well, they want to... And it seems like it's going in the direction of where we're going to have an automated strike zone. But like I've said before, that's still not going to please everybody. Everybody's going to be like, that's bullshit. All of us have played video games. And how many times have we just blown a gasket of like, that's horse shit or that's mm-hmm. this. It's like they just throw something up on a screen right there and go, that's, that's where the target is. Go ahead. I think Dr. Sniff's on the right track that uh, they're going to have to preemptively come up with new rules to address this before it becomes a scandal. Like, it's, no, you can't have any computer assistance in scouting. It has to come straight from, you know, and then you're getting all these, like, yeah, it's like tip, once tipping you, off, you know. Once you let take the lid off of that, where does it stop? And, like, because it seems like it could be quite a game of like you can't, cat and mouse You, you can't smoke cigarettes during the game, all right? And then you're going to have the one guy that sneaks into the back and has one. And the same thing, like, you can't use this AI, but there's going to be some like coach that wants a competitive advantage that's going to sneak into the bathroom. Like, let me, what's the tips here? You know, or it's got yeah. that earpiece in talking to somebody. So you're saying we're, we might go from the money ball era to the AI era. There's yeah. always been there. There's oh. steroid era. There's all these AIs that are coming up with com- ball. competitive advantages in every industry. That's what they're there for. They're supposed to make new discoveries. They're supposed to, like... In baseball, you can plug in all the stats, and then gonna be, the AI's going to come back, well, why don't you position this guy here? You know, that's the old money ball and how every, all these shifts are working and the natural changes in baseball that come in launch angle and hitting and what's next. Well, the well, AI yeah. is going to tell you what's next because... Well, they can even get into, like, biofeedback at some point, and this guy's power is down today. This guy's mm-hmm. this guy's depressed when we, when we scanned him. It's like, where does it stop if you let computers and AI into the game. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, that's nuts. Like, oh, he's got a he's got a weak left calf today. Let's do this or that. Yeah, he's sleep deprived. Yeah. He, you know, whatever. He only got four hours of sleep last night. 
<laughs> Give him it's, the fastball. It says here on his sleep report he farted twice. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm not about it. So, so basically, this whole point that you're making is, if we're allowing what it's starting out, it's going to go into it deeper. So it, it's po- like we can't we can't put it back in the box once you let it out. Right. I guess my conspiracy is and it's happening right now. We're just not hearing about it. And we're not going to hear about it until three or four years down the road when somebody gets ca- caught for doing it next. It's going to be the next scandal. Bold yeah, prediction. That's, that's it. So out of what teams do you assume are doing it? The Yankees, since they have a great record? Probably the money teams. The teams with the money. The teams with the money? Oh, on a side note, the slowest pitch ever for a home run was hit today. 35 miles an hour. Someone threw a 35-mile-an-hour pitch? Yeah, Frank something for the Cubs threw it in the Yankees. The Yankees are up. Position 17. player, right? Position player, warning, 35-mile-an-hour. What do you call that? That's, Ether a lob? That's what I call one of my fastballs. Slowest pitch ever hit yeah. for a home run. The I Yankee, call that about our Little League The Yankees starter. knew it was coming. I'm telling you. Like you fuck. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he's gonna, AI he's like, gonna yeah, throw he's 35. thirty-five. They relayed it to him. And fucking Rizzo knew it. I don't think it was Rizzo though. I don't know. Thirty-five. You can't even get a ticket on Aurora going thirty-five. We could for going too slow. <laughs> this is a highly sophisticated business computer, and to use it, all you have to do is learn this. This is Macintosh from Apple, also a highly sophisticated business computer, and to use it, all you have to do is learn this. Now, you decide which one is more sophisticated. Macintosh, the computer for the rest of us. You know, what was interesting was... Uh, Mike Cameron's been back on the bench. I think he's working with like some of the the, the outfielders. Anyways, Mike Cameron is a Mariner, fucking great. If you don't know who Mike Cameron is, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Listen. But also, I don't want to lose you as a liker and a subscriber and a reviewer. Just do the history. Anyways, Mike Cameron's back. Every time I see Mike Cameron, you know, I always think about obviously one of the greatest years. The Mariners ever had Any team ever had The 116 game win In 2001 We think about all that We think about the heartache But the thing about it he was the guy Who replaced King Griffey Jr. Yeah And it was Yeah And the whole year was great It was And it was the summer We had turned 21 It was the summer Of enjoying that As Yes 21 Friends were like From 19 To like 21 In that In that time frame And There was no other place to really enjoy all this than Tiki Bob's. Tiki Bob's. Tiki Bob's. If you didn't go to Tiki Bob's, what? Well, how would you explain Tiki Bob's in a nutshell? It was like a, like a, it was like a Hawaiian, Hawaiian, Hawaiian themed bar with just bad case of over serving. <laughs> yes, uh, they had. The decor was, you know, tropical. Uh, like, yeah, a couple tiki torches, some, some tiki statues, torches and the treasure chest. Let's for you go. To get Let's get some fish behind the bar. Let's get wasted. Yeah, and it—if you don't know where it is, it's where I think the last bar. I don't know if it's still there. It's called the Lodge. It's connected to the King Street Bar. I walked by there this weekend on my way to the game, and it is 
currently vacant. Just King Street is still there. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Listen, I think that place was really awesome because at the time, in 2001, they just got, were just getting up the Seahawks Stadium. So most of the time that was like a construction zone or they were getting that up. There wasn't any of the big, huge buildings right there. Yeah, the embassy The apartments were not there. Yeah, Yeah, and any of those, and down on Occidental, there wasn't a bunch of those little pubs and bars. It was... Tiki it was Bob's. the last stop there's, before the stadium, yeah, really. Yeah, there was FX McGorry's. There was Sluggers or Sneakers right there. And the thing about those places were it was a, a lot of people probably more our age now where Tiki Bob's was all about like, hey, do you, are you 21 or can you pass as 21? It was a great Do you time. want some cheap liquor? Yes. Come on in. And they had DJ Tiger. Remember DJ Tiger was in there? It was all about the $2, $3. It was like $2 beers, $1 wells until 9 o'clock. Did you ever meet Triple H at, at Tiki Bob's? No, I didn't meet Triple H at Tiki Bob's. I wish I did. I met the Dudley boys. Stacy <laughs> Keebler, was she there? Oh, yes. That was oh, after yes, the, she the, was. the oh night before God. WWF? It was the night before WrestleMania. Oh, man, that was a wild night. Oh, man. I just remember, like, the wrestlers and the ramen. Yeah. Uh, yes, after WrestleMania, they had a top ramen wrestling match. Um, Tiki Bob's was wild. Yeah, Tiki it. Bob's was a wild time. Uh, it was a great place to watch a game. I remember we went to a game once. I think we beat Detroit in 2001, like, I don't know, like 19-1. and one, or It was just a beat down. And people were leaving Tiki Bob. I mean, leaving the game at like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. And, you know, it stays light out till 10, 10.30 here in the summertime. And I remember just walking by Tiki Bob's. It's complete sunlight going on. And you could kind of see in the windows there. And it was just sweaty. People making out up against the wall. It was, it there was, were no rules. There, there were no rules. Um, one of the, my favorite stories from Tiki Bob's, we had an old, older friend of Baldwin Pulio, God rest his soul. Baldwin Pulio. Who kind of showed us our He took me from my first real drink when I was underage. He took me to FX McGorry's. My first underage drink. It was my first one. It was, uh, there was many to fall off. I was 13. No, I was 19 years old. About seven years old. (laughs) I was 19 and I got a Stoli Cran at FX McGorry. I still remember it. Choked that sucker down. You know, it was like the first properly poured drink for me. You know, at 19, I was like, this is pretty weak because you just don't know how, like, people pour a drink. Like, you're not supposed to just pour. A little bit of juice and a whole bunch of vodka, and you're like, "Oh, this is, this is weak." They ripped me off. How much was this? Four fifty. Oh my god, that's like eight hundred bucks to me now. You know, at that time. But uh, he was coming down to Tiki Bob's with us, right? And there was this one night where he got up on a treasure chest and he was dancing on the treasure chest. Oh, I remember they had the treasure chests all over. And on the dance floor next to the treasure chest. These two people were walking by with a cake that was the size of this table, about like a four foot long like a birthday sheet cake. Huge sheet cake. It like took, someone was having their birthday at Tiki Bob's and, and they were bringing the cake out. And they had to and have. They were holding it or wheeling it out? Holding it. It took two people to hold it. It was like carrying like a folding table. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I remember looking over at my friend. I was on the, on the treasure chest dancing. It's still daylight out for dancing. And I look over and he's. He's dancing with a girl. I'm dancing with on the other side of these other girls. But I could see, like, his 
like his ankles, I'm not his ankles, but the backs of his feet were getting too close to the edge. And he wasn't a nimble guy, and he definitely wasn't sober. And all of a sudden, it was just like out of a bad movie that somebody was walking by with this huge cake. It was like, this can't be real. He wobbled and wobbled and just fell into this huge cake. Just wham! The whole cake hits the ground. Boom! Face first. Boom, dude. Jenny from the blocks plan. He like hits, he like, you know, I'm still Jenny. Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. He just fell into the cake. Like he was like, and and left an, he like gets up and left an imprint like Han Solo looked in the carbonite, (laughs) you know, like just like your hands are up. He just gets up. It's blue and white, like Tar Heel. It almost looked like a UNC cake. He had, he gets up. And he's just like, oh, you know, he's just, just, just like cakes coming out of his mouth, out of his nose. It's in his eyebrows. It's in his hair. It's underneath his fingernails. It's in his belt. His, his khaki shorts are ruined. But being the trooper that he was, he went to the bathroom to see if he could maybe just clean up a bit so nobody noticed. Uh, it didn't work out. He had to go home that night. Uh, apparently, he got in a fight on the bus. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know who picks a fight with somebody uh, covered in cake, but uh, hungry. That's uh, that's Baldwin Pulio. That's we love old, him. Yeah. We miss him. Miss Baldwin Pulio. He would he would love this podcast. We wish he was here. He would yeah. He would run this podcast. Yeah yeah. So that's the end of our episode. We want to give a good Baldwin Pulio story. All right, Hannah, you know what time it is. <laughs> Yeah.